Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6 and meet me at verse 1 and we'll go through verse 14. John chapter 6 verse 1 and we'll go through verse 14. I'm going to share today with you some hidden treasures that I draw from in my personal time with the Lord. There are times that I preach from my depository, and then there are times that the Lord will tell me to preach some things. And we're going to take some time here to look at what happened here in the feeding of the 5,000. And let's take a look. We're going to read verse 1 through 14. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and we had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, this story occurs in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not many things occur in all four Gospels. You have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You have the baptism of the Holy Spirit in all four Gospels. And you have the feeding of the 5,000 men that occur in all four Gospels. Now, the Gospels, like I said, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you ever have a trivia question, what are the Gospels? They are what? Okay, don't get that wrong. Okay, that's the right answer. Those are the Gospels. And these are four different people that have very similar accounts with Jesus, but they see it a different way. But they all work in unison together. Well, the feeding of the 5,000 men occurs in all four Gospels. And as I was reading it, I was inspired by this passage because it touched me in a deep way and it's going to touch you in the same way. We find out that Jesus has just preached to the people in John chapter 5. He's preached, he's performed miraculous signs and wonders, and now he is departing and he climbs a mountain with his disciples. 
But as he climbs a mountain to sit, he sees that a multitude, which is a large number of people, are walking towards him. And as he notices them walking towards him, the first thing Jesus thinks about is meeting their need. So before the people even knew they had a need, Jesus is preparing to meet the need. Now, this is so very important because we think when we have a need that all of a sudden that's the first time God recognizes it. No, that's the first time you recognized it, but God has already met it, but you have to get the answer by faith. It's by faith that you obtain the grace that God has already provided for you and I in every area of life. And so he's sitting up there with his disciples. The people are coming. Jesus sees them coming. He turns to Philip and he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread to feed these people? Now, the people haven't even arrived yet, but God is already thinking about them. And he says, where shall we buy bread to feed the people? God is going to ask you to do some things that you cannot do on your own. Hear me clearly. God is going to ask you to do some things that you cannot do on your own. If God asks you to do things that you can do on your own, then you don't need him. So he is going to ask you to do things that you can't do on your own because he knows that you're going to need him to provide. Somebody say amen. amen. So he turns to Philip and he says, where shall we buy bread to feed these people? He's already thinking about them. And Philip is just like you and I. The question is where? And Philip starts talking about money. Philip has money on the mind. Where should we buy bread? His response would have been at the local Walmart or at the Food Lion or at the Harris Teeter, right? They got bread. No, no. Philip starts talking about how much money they have. Well, this is important because when God tells us to do things, why do we always fall back on our bank account? Why do we always fall back on our ability to accumulate resources? Why do we always fall back on our, uh, <laughs> or who do we know or who we don't know or how much money we can make or how much money we can't make or how much I can give and how much I can't give? Why do we fall back on that? Instead, why don't we just answer the question Jesus asked? Jesus asked you to do something big. Jesus asked you to give something big. You should say, yes, Lord. That's the answer. Yes, Lord. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't know how you're going to take care of it. But my response is yes, Lord. And notice the scripture tells us Jesus asked Philip this question to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. Well, what is Jesus testing? Well, it's not sickness and disease. He's not using sickness and disease to test us. He's not using, uh, you know, uh, poverty to test us or anything like that. He's already redeemed us from that when he died on the cross for you and I and rose again. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Sickness and disease is a curse. Poverty is a curse. And I have been redeemed. Somebody shout, I have been redeemed. redeemed. And so he's not testing him with disobedience or any of the other factors. He's testing his faith. He says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? 
And Philip's faith goes directly to their bank account. We only have 200 denarii worth of money, and that is not enough to buy the bread. Now, if you do some study, uh, they say that one denarii is worth a day's wage. So 200 denarii is going to be worth, what, half a year? A little more than half a year, let's say eight months. So they got eight months worth of salary sitting in a bank account. And instead of Philip saying, Lord, the question was, where are we going to buy bread? We can buy bread over there. He answers with, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. That wasn't Jesus' question, do we have enough? His question was where? But he answers, we don't have enough. Well, then, as they're communicating, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says, listen, there's a little boy over here. He's got some bread and some fish. But what is that amongst so many? And so both of these disciples have looked at their situation and their condition, and they have considered that in their situation and their condition, we don't have enough to do what Jesus has asked us to do. Matter of fact, they've looked at their situation and condition and they have said, what we have is nothing compared to what we need. So they looked at what they had and compared it to what they need and they came to the conclusion that what they have is nothing. And the need is everything. Far too often, you and I are just like these two disciples. We look at what we have. And we compare it to what we need. And we conclude that what we have is nothing. Now, it's, it's very possible for someone to have a million dollars in their bank account, a million dollars sitting in their bank account, very possible for someone to have that sitting there and look at what they have in the bank account and say, I have nothing. Why? Because the need is greater than what they have. Maybe they need 10 million to get something accomplished and they look at 1 million and say, it's nothing because I need 10 million. What we see in this passage, they had eight months worth of salary sitting with Judas, the treasurer, who's a thief, by the way. And they looked, Philip looked at it and said, we have nothing compared to the need. At least Andrew says, this little boy has loaves and fish. But what is that compared to the need? So he has something, but what is that compared to what we need? He concluded that he had nothing. And if you can look at what you have as nothing 
versus comparing what you don't have or what you need as everything, you will always be at a place of sadness, depression. You will always be at a place of guilt, shame. You will always be a place of discontent. And you will always be a place of looking at yourself from behind losing, however you want to say it. You will always be at a place when you look at what you have as nothing and look at what you need as everything. And I have been guilty of doing that. Looking at what I have as nothing compared to what we need. I was in a meeting this past week. It was a pastor's meeting. And everybody was going around talking. And one particular pastor, they asked him how he was doing. And he said he wasn't doing good at all. Matter of fact, he said he was depressed. And he said, I'm not doing good. I'm, the summer was tough. Um, I'm, I haven't recovered from COVID, is what he said. I haven't recovered. He said, before COVID, we had record numbers in attendance. People were showing up. But now COVID, after COVID, people are not showing up and I am struggling. Well, as a pastor, I can relate to his feelings. I mean, pastors like to gather people. Pastors like the fellowship. Pastors like the camaraderie. If you're a real pastor, you like to smell like the sheep, you know, you, you like to be around people. I can, I can relate. And he was saying he was really, really struggling because people weren't returning. And I didn't say this in the meeting, but the Lord was talking to me about this message when I heard him say it. And I heard in my heart, he's looking at what he has, because people are coming, just not at the rate as they were, as nothing. And what he needs is more people to come, and it's causing depression to take place in his life. And if you can look at what you have as nothing, then that tells me, even if it's small, even if it seems so small to you, that tells me that you are unthankful for what you have. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere with this. Though you're unthankful for what you have. Because if you can consider it to be nothing, then you are not being thankful for what you have. And far too often, far too often, we are spending so much time thinking about where we're going and what we need and less time thinking about, look what the Lord has done. I, I was t thinking about this. I'm the type of guy, I'm built this way. I, I, I'm a go-getter. I, I, my RPMs are high. I like a routine. I like to work. I like to get after it. I like to uh, just do those things that it takes to work. I, I don't like to sit around. I have a hard time vacationing. Since I've been married, my wife has really helped me settle down. But when we first were dating, my leg, we used to sit on the couch and my leg would move. And she'd be like, why are your leg moving? I'm like, I don't know. It's just moving by itself. I just, I was just always, I'm always on the go. I, what's next? I don't, I don't have time to just be sitting here. And she's really helped me. Settle down. Somebody say, settle down. Settle say, settle down, pastor. I'm, I mean, I just, I like to go. I like to get after it, and I don't like to sit around. And so when I left that pastoral meeting, and, and I, that particular pastor story really impacted me, I sat in my car, and I, and I drove off, and I came to the church here to, to, to finish some work. And I got to thinking about 
what the Lord has done. And, and I like to, I'm always thinking about the next thing. And the next thing seems so big. How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to finish this? How are we going to start that? And my mind is always in that sort of place. I know I'm not the only one here who's like that. And, and, and I, let me tell you what the Lord has said. The footnote, uh, how is never a problem for God. Let me just let you know that right now. How is never a problem for God. And I know our minds are wrecked with how, 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 but it's never a problem for God. How is never a problem with God. He's, he, has no, he has a trillion different ways to get what you need. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. He's got a trillion different ways to get what you need. So it's never a problem with God. But with us, it is. And I came here and, and I was, all these things, I mean, how are we going to pack the building? And how are we going to reach more people online? And how are we going to get a new building debt free? And how are we going to do this? And my mind is wondering about how. And I stay in this place of, God, tell me what to do and I'll do it. How? And the Lord said, slow down and look how far I've brought you from. Woo, glory to God. And I sat there and I started thinking. I remember when pastoring was a dream of mine. I remember sitting in cubicles thinking, God's called me to pastor. Why am I sitting in this cubicle? And now the Lord has brought me to a place that I'm in the pastoral role. Amen. I remember thinking like, bless God, if I was a full-time pastor, all the things that I could do. And God has brought me to a place that I can do this full time. I started thinking about you and thinking about, yes, everybody hasn't returned from COVID. And yes, people got mad and left during COVID and COVID changed things. Yes, but there are people like you that still show up. There are people like you that still come. You still support. You still give. You're still here. You made it through COVID. And I started celebrating you. And I started thinking, God, for you. And I said, Lord, look what you've done. I know I'm trying to get over here, but I got to take a second to thank God for where I am, right where I am right now. You are something. You're not nothing. And when that one pastor was saying, you know, I'm just depressed because people used to come and now they're not coming at the same rate. He, he didn't know it, but he literally was saying the people that are coming are nothing. He didn't know it, but that's what he was saying. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I got here and, and, and at the church and, and as I was spending time with the Lord and I said, the people that you've called to help me, they're something. And because they are something, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful that you've called them to be a part. I'm thankful you connected me with them. And I don't know how we're going to get to the next phase, but I'm thankful for where we are right now. I don't know how we're going to get to the next area of accomplishment that he's called us to do, but I'm thankful for how far he brought us. And if you can just stop and start thanking God for what you already possess. I know your husband don't clean up behind himself and he keeps drawers on the ground. But thank God that you got a husband. Come on, somebody. I know. I know your wife don't cook the best meals, but thank God. You got a wife. I know you may not be married and you believe in God to get married, but thank God you got some good friends. See, if you start focusing on where you think you ought to be, you'll be discouraged where you already are. 
And so we find here that Philip, we ain't got enough money. God tells you to do something. I ain't got that kind of money. Hey, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to pay off the, the Exodus project. I ain't got that kind of money. That ain't the question. The question is, I want you to pay it off. And your answer is, yes, Lord. That's it. Then he'll get it to you. Amen. And the problem is we look at what we have and we compare it to what we need and then we conclude that what we have is nothing. But let's look at what Jesus did because both these guys did this. They looked at what they had, the money, the fish, and they compared it to what they needed and said they had nothing. But Jesus grabbed the, the bread and fish. And when he grabbed the bread and fish, scripture says that he gave thanks. We, we don't have anywhere in scripture where it says, he says, Father, now I need for you to do a miracle with this bread and fish. Now I need for you to feed all these people with this bread and fish. I mean, you got to some way, somehow do kastatalaba, do something with this bread and fish to get these people fed. Now I'm concerned about these people, Lord. I don't know how we go feed them, but I beg of you, if, if, if you are God, do something about this need. That's not what we see happen. The only thing we see happen, the only thing we see happen is Jesus receiving the bread and fish, and what did he do next? That's the only thing we see happen. He gave things. Now, if you do some study, the, <laughs> the fish were not like two big large salmon, you know, that you can carry around. They were like sardines. And he had some loaves of bread and then like the American loaves of bread like this, okay. And some loaves of bread. He gave thanks for the insufficiency. It wasn't enough. But he was thankful for what wasn't enough. He blessed it and he was thankful for the insufficiency. Can you come to a place to be thankful for not having enough? Can you get to the place where you are so thankful that maybe you don't, you don't have as much as your sister has, but you are thankful for where you are right now? Maybe, maybe you don't have as much as your next door neighbor has, but you are thankful for what you have right now. In high school, I, I, I still remember the story. We wrote it in our book. Matt helped me write in our True Life Experience devotional book, a 30-day True Life Experience book. You can get it at DevonAlexander.com. I was reminded of a story of a man in high school. He drove an old beat-up car. This car was raggedy, y'all. It was raggedy, and we used to make fun of him. I mean, it was raggedy. It was ugly. It was terrible. And we made fun of him because he drove the car. Now, nevertheless, I didn't have a car. I'm riding a bike, okay? I'm riding a bike. And then my mom said I had to start wearing a helmet while I ride the bike. I said, well, I ain't riding a bike no more. I'm not riding no helmet, okay? So I, I'm not riding a bike, okay? And so I stopped riding the bike, and I'm walking. I got the nerve to make fun of this dude who's got a car, and I'm walking. And one day I had the nerve to say something in his face about making fun of him in the car. Oh, look at that old raggedy car he got. And he turned to me, and he said, a slow ride is better than a fast walk. And I said, you know what? I don't remember the dude's name. I don't remember what he looks like, 
but I remember that statement. A slow ride is better than a fast walk. He was thankful for that slow ride. He was thankful for where he was. And when you become thankful for where you are, your capacity to receive more is being enlarged. But we got to we got to listen. We got to get our minds off of the future and we got to stay current sometimes. I mean, we can't live in the past. We can't live in the future. We got to face reality. And in reality, you got to say, Lord, I am thankful for this insufficiency. I know it's not enough and I know I need more. This paycheck is not enough. But bless God, I got a paycheck. Come on, somebody, thank God for your paycheck right now. I know you may not be in your dream job. I know you may not be working what you thought you're going to be doing. But bless God, you got a job. Somebody lift up your hand and thank God that you got a job. Thank God. It may not be the perfect job. It, I may not like my boss and I may not like my coworkers, but I got a job and a consistent paycheck coming in. You got to find a place to be thankful because when you become thankful, you are a candidate for a miracle to get ready to take place in your life. You are about to explode in miracles. I declare right now in Jesus name, when you become thankful, you will explode with miracles. How many of you receive that in Jesus name? And so Jesus blessed the the fish and bread, and, and he gave thanks for it. And I love this part. Then he distributed it to his disciples. See, God wants to work with you in the miracle. Now, he could have just passed it out himself, but he distributed the disciples. Oh, the Lord just reminded me. There's one important part that Jesus did. He told the people, he told the disciples to tell the people to sit down. Somebody say, sit down. So you're too, you too busy worried and you're too busy running around and you're too busy chasing something and trying to get after that dream. And God's saying, sit down. Matter of fact, that word sit down means to recline. Take a break. Stop. Relax. Get organized. Sit down. Somebody shout, sit down. Sit down. He told them to sit down. Sit down. Matter of fact, in Psalms 23, verse 2, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to... Lie down. The word lie down is the same word sit down. And if you study it out, it's to recline. And so we see that the Lord is the shepherd and he's making his people lie down. He said, tell them to sit down. Then he gave thanks for it. And then he distributed to the disciples. Now, why did he distribute it to the disciples? Because God likes to work with you. Listen to me now. God likes to work with you. We have been taught through religion that we're just serving God. But the truth is we're working with God. Let me say it again. Religion has taught us we're just serving God. And, and our posture is, Lord, whatever you do, you just do while we just sit and, and bow down. But God is saying, get up. I want to work with you. And you got you to gotta get to this mindset that you are working with God. Matter of fact, I believe it was Dr. Fred Price that saw a plot of land somewhere. And he, had, he bought the land, built a nice 
facility or whatever on this land, I believe it was Dr. Fred Price, and he had built a facility and people came and they said to him, look what the Lord has done. And we all say, hallelujah, look what the Lord's done, right? Look what the Lord's done. They said it to him, look what the Lord, and everybody, look what the Lord, and they, they went to Dr. Fred Price and they said, look what the Lord's done. And Dr. Fred Price said, very humbly, God and I did this. He said, before I showed up, it was just a plot of land. Are you listening to me? God spoke to me and said, let's get something on this land. God made the land. God's made trees, but he didn't make paper. These chairs you're sitting on, the raw materials were made by God, but God didn't make the chair. Who's tracking with me this morning? He said, God and I did this. That's the truth. God needed a man. Anytime God wants to do anything on the earth, he needs a man. He needs a man. When he wanted to deliver the Israelites, he needed Moses. When he wanted to preserve a family after, during the flood, he needed Noah. He needs a man on the earth. He needs a woman on the earth. And so this whole idea that, well, God's just doing it. God's saying, I want you to rise up in your righteousness and understand that I am working with humanity. I'm working with you to get things done on this earth. And so that's why he passed the bread and the fish out to the disciples so that they could get some sweat equity. Come on, somebody. So that God could use them to do the work. And then they begin to pass it out to the people. But notice how the passing out is occurring. It's occurring little by little. They're taking a little and they're passing it out. And it's little and it's little. And it's moment by moment. It's piece by piece. It's process by process. It's little by little being passed out. And as little by little is being passed out. People are getting fed. People are getting fed to the point that now they're full. But all the disciples are doing is passing out little by little, little by little. I know you want some enormous, uh, that dude, what's the dude that show up at your door with the check? Vince McMahon? No, Ed McMahon. I know you want Ed McMahon to show up at your door. Now, Vince McMahon showed up. It's He's going to recruit you to the WWF. But, but if Ed McMahon, you, oh, I'm believing God for Ed McMahon to show up. That ain't how God does stuff. I'm just believing God that I woke up and a bird just dropped $2 million in the driver's seat of my car. That ain't how it works. God works little by little, piece by piece. And God is working all the time when he's working through you and you won't even realize sometimes that he's working until you have an opportunity to look back at how far you have come from. Matter of fact, this morning I saw a video of Zage when she was one year old and now she's four and I'm like, oh my gosh, she has grown up. Well, what, what showed me that she has grown up? When my ability to look back and see day by day, day by day, 
Look at the, the growth that has taken place. Look what the Lord has done. God's doing the same thing in your life. If you become thankful for the insufficiency, little by little, little by little, little by little, he'll begin to work in your life and you won't even know a difference. All of a sudden, the people got fed till they were full. Somebody shout full. So that tells me that something is not nothing. Let me say it again. Something is not nothing. Say it with me. Something is not nothing. God took the fish and the bread, which was something, and multiplied it by, by giving thanks for it, and it became so much more that it was in excess. They had leftovers. They had more than enough. And here's the issue. Excess is not the problem. I know we think excess is the problem. Excess is not the problem. There was one particular time I went out to eat with this guy. This guy's a very wealthy guy. And we were in another city. He said, hey, let's grab something to eat. We sat down and, and ate. He said, what do you want? And, and so when I usually go out to eat, we typically skip the appetizer. You know, this one, a main course. And, and you know, we go on. Not, not nothing more than that's just kind of what we do. So I was like, well, I may want to get. He goes, you like steak? I was like, well, yeah, I like steak. I mean. Who don't like steak? You know, yeah, I like steak. And, and then he's like, well, what's on this appetizer? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't really want an appetizer. He's like, no, you want something. And I said, okay, okay, I want this on there. He says, okay. And then the waitress came. He goes, I want this, 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 this. He, he, all the appetizers was on the table, okay? And, and it, was, it was all on the table. I said, okay. And then what do you want to eat? And I said, well, I, uh, I don't know what I want. You want a steak. How do you like your steak? I like my steak medium. Okay, okay, he wants a steak and I want this. You know, I also want to try a root beer flirt. Our table was full of food. <laughs> I'm talking about food was running over on the table. I'm sitting there like, this is excess. I'm tripped out. This is wasteful. This is excess. And he's, he ate a little bit of it, and the next thing you know, he said, I'm done. I said, well, I guess I'm done too. And we left all the food on the table. And I'm like, oh my gosh, excess. And I begin to, in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I just feel so bad. I look back at the table, I'm like, maybe I should take some, get it put on the airplane and take some home to my kids, and maybe we should do something. And the Lord said to me, he said, why do you care about any of this? I, he said, you didn't pay for any of this. He didn't ask you to pay. Why do you care about any of that? I said, well, I don't know. I said, it's, it just looks like excess. And it looks wasteful. And this is what I heard in my heart. He said, excess is never the problem. What, not knowing what to do with the excess is the problem. Excess is not a problem. Having more than enough is not a problem. Not knowing what to do with having more than enough is a problem. And too many of us, are we have this, oh, I don't want to be wasteful. No, no, get that out of your vocabulary. Believe God for excess and then ask him, what can you do with the excess? 
When extra money comes in, Stacy and I get together and said, Lord, what do you want us to do with the excess? And he'll tell you. He'll tell you what, because excess is not the problem. What to do with the excess or not knowing what to do with the excess is the problem. And what did they do with the excess? I mean, it was so much excess of food, they had 12 baskets remaining. And what did they do? They gathered up all the excess so that nothing was lost. Now we're talking about people here. God didn't want anybody lost. Nothing's lost. And they gathered up. And how many baskets of excess did they gather up? Huh? Twelve baskets of excess. How many disciples are there? Twelve disciples. There is a purpose for the excess. Each of the disciples were able to take the excess home with them. This all started because Jesus realized something is not nothing. And if you have something small, be thankful for it because it's either a seed that you can sow and you know when you sow a seed, you can reap and harvest off that or it's a start. It's a seed or it's a start. Never despise small beginnings. Maybe you're trying to work out and, oh, man, I, I, I just I can't do five days a week. Can you do one? Start. Just start. Or if you have something small and it's a seed and you say, Lord, where do you want me to sow it? I want to sow this thing. Where can I give it? Who can I bless? Because I need it to come back and be bigger when it comes back to me. And so never despise having something small. It's either a seed or it's a start. And when you have the attitude that I'm not going to despise where I am, I'm no longer going to be jealous of whoever is a little further along than me than I am. I, I, my brother may be a little further along than me, but I'm not going to be jealous of him. And, and they may be a, in a better shape than me, but I'm not going to be jealous of them. I'm going to look at my situation and I'm going to start. I'm going to sow a seed. I'm not going to despise where I am. Something is not nothing. God's got a plan for me. And truth be told, God is looking at what you do with a little first before he will trust you with something greater. Let me say it again. If you can be faithful with the few, you can be faithful with much, much more. He's matter of fact, when you look from the eyes of God, nothing is too small in his eyes. Matter of fact, he said to Gideon, uh, listen, what, 20 some thousand people showed. He said, that's too many for me. I'm trying to get it down to a smaller number. God is always into the small because if you can steward the small correctly, then you can steward the large correctly. And so everything that you need, you already have. It's either in a seed form or it's in a start form. 
but you have everything. You are not lacking anything. You have a seed or you have a start. And your job is to steward it well. And the first way you steward it well is to begin to thank God for what you have. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.